this is a really exciting event for me and it's been a long time coming in terms of trying to get this research funded. Um, I think we know that there's a worldwide need to reduce restrictive interventions uh, across a range of uh, clinical and institutional settings. So these are things like restraint, rapid tranquilization, seclusion. Um, and what you tend to find is that trusts and hospitals and institutions, there's a scandal and then there's a knee-jerk reaction and people try and rapidly introduce things to stop staff restraining patients. But often you know, there's, there's no sustained approach to this in terms of the interventions. And we've already invested loads of time and energy developing research. But often this research is very complex. There's often multiple components to it. And I think what we've tried to do is take a step back um, and think about are there certain bits that we can encourage staff to do? And these are, this is purely about staff and the way that staff behave and how that can sometimes lead to re restrictive practices. So I'm hoping the event's gonna, um, it's the start of a, uh, a whole raft of research that we're gonna try and do, but I'm really hoping it's also about a discussion with people, both in the room and outside the room. So just going right back to first principles here. So patients who are in mental health units in settings in hospitals are restrained by staff so why does that happen um it happens for a variety of reasons um some of this is to do with immediate risk to either themselves or other people but that's a rare event in terms of when you look at the literature the majority of the times really people get restrained and I hate to say this, but people get restrained for inappropriate reasons. So it's about um, shouting or screaming or just not obeying instructions, or actually we know that staff escalate situations too by the way they respond to, to reasonable demands and patient need. Do you kind of feel that there's ever an appropriate use of restrictive practice in a mental health setting? And this is really difficult. I think that there are very rare occasions where, you know, people will get seriously hurt if staff don't intervene. But in all my clinical practice, when I think back on it, actually those, those occasions are fairly rare and unique. And I, I mean, I do think that we need to reframe the way we think about restrictive practices and that they're really not good for patients. You know, we cause a huge amount of physical and more worryingly psychological harm for people when we expose them to restrictive practices. And they're also not good for staff. You know, being involved in restraint is not a nice thing for staff. Um, and it also causes them physical and psychological harm. Um, so in my mind, you know, we use too much restrictive practices and actually we need to really, really consider about when we use them. And is that really a point of last resort? So you're at the end of one piece of work and at the beginning of another piece of work. So this compare and contrast um, work you've done, these reviews that you've done and doing. Tell us a bit about compare, first of all. What have you done um, with this review to try and bring together all of the 
evidence that we know? So we've taken a fairly unique approach to this. So we've looked for evidence across the world of any intervention that's trying to reduce restrictive practices. So this is this goes beyond just the published evidence. This may be things that local hospitals have tried to implement. You know, we've searched Twitter and YouTube. So we've taken a fairly unorthodox approach to, a, you know, what would be a systematic literature to try and find these interventions. Yeah, so what have you found? There's lots of stuff that's happened, over 100 different interventions that have been implemented. Yeah, we, I mean, we've found lots and lots of interventions that have been implemented. The worry about it is, is actually um, a lot of them are very poor quality. Um, and a lot of them are really designed without any understanding of the theories around, you know, violence, aggression, self-harm or restrictive practices. Um, and they tend to be ad hoc local developments that haven't really been very well evaluated. So what's the bottom line? Do we know what works to help reduce restrictive practices in mental health settings? I, I mean, I think there's some very robust intervention studies things like um, safe wards, six core strategies that have been tested in a number of environments that actually do reduce the use of restrictive practices. I mean, the, the difficulty with them is, is that they're, they're multifaceted, so they contain lots of bits, and we don't really know which of those bits work best. The other problem is, is when they're implemented in, in wards in different settings, they don't get fully implemented so people do parts of them and then they either work or they don't work and they don't know why they don't work um, I think what we've, we're gathering from compare specifically is actually there are things that we haven't tried yet that maybe we could try that would actually be better for staff and patients and tell us a bit about this new evidence synthesis you're starting up now the contrast work so contrast is really, really timely, and I think it's really important. Um, what we've been fortunate to have from the NHR is, is funding for this second study, which is looking at children and young people. And I think there's, when you think about restrictive practices in children and young people, it's even more concerning because actually this, this is about exposing them to violence at a very early age. So we're actually uniquely um, looking across all kind of institutional settings where kids and children are being restrained or exposed to other restrictive interventions. So we're thinking about children with learning disabilities, children in educational settings, children in the criminal justice settings, and children in, in kind of CAMS units as well. So we're taking a very broad approach to looking across all of these areas to try and find well, what can we learn from each other about how to kind of stop restraining kids. And what's your gut feeling beginning that work? Do you think you're going to find as much as you did with the COMPARE study? And do you think it's going to be the same kind of quality of evidence? Um, I, I think we know there's a huge problem with um, restrictive interventions in children. I think it's probably not been as researched, as well researched as adults in mental health settings. I think there's opportunities to learn from across these two different studies. Um, and, you know, I really hope this is the start of us rethinking our approaches, particularly for children and young people. I mean, uh, you know, this, 
we're constantly hearing about young people in institutional settings being restrained frequently and you know that that can be in terms of schools that can be about the way people are being segregated that can be about young people with autism i i just think the problem is really really challenging and do you think the the key kind of effective components of interventions are likely to be the same in young people as they are in adults I'm not sure, but I think one of the things we've really neglected in all of this research is there's been, you know, it's been loads of attention in terms of researchers thinking about violent people. So concentrating on patients or children. And actually we've done very little research that focuses on staff and how staff contribute towards the escalation of situations. You know, and, and I think a lot of the stuff that we're trying to think about now is actually um, challenging to challenging staff really to think about they also escalate situations and you know we're also aware that there's some toxic staff that exists within institutions and how can we really think about changing their mindset or supporting them i mean they've often been victims of violence themselves um and we know that when you've been assaulted you're more likely to be restricted in your practices so there's a whole stream of stuff here that i think it's very early days, but I think it will, could potentially be very powerful in changing the narratives in terms of the way we think about reducing restrictive practices. Mm -hmm.